This is Julia Campbell with the Sports Medicine Residence Council bringing you the AMSSM Journal Club podcast. This podcast is designed for residents and fellows to help get a better knowledge of seminal papers in sports medicine. Today, we will be discussing the clinical report titled Returning to Learning Following a Concussion, published by the American Academy of Pediatrics in 2013. Within the concussion field, the majority of the literature focuses on diagnosis and return to sport. This paper aims to address the challenges and recommendations for returning children to school and the learning environment. The article discusses recommendations for returning children to sports and the neurocognitive testing tools for concussion, which have not been applied systematically to determine how and when a student is ready to return to the full cognitive demands of a typical school day. This is important because the goal of concussion recovery is to avoid overexertion of the brain and worsening symptoms or prolonging recovery. However, restricting the student from school can also have numerous negative effects, such as additional emotional stress and should be avoided if unnecessary. Children often do not have an outward physical appearance of illness, which makes it difficult for educators to understand that they may need academic adjustments during the recovery period. The article advocates for the use of a symptom checklist to help guide treatment and monitor recovery. They recommend a multidisciplinary treatment approach between what they title the family team, medical team, school academic team, and school physical activity team. The medical team's role should be to provide treatment recommendations and assist in concussion education of the school team. Children often recover from concussions within a three-week period, during which time they may only need non-formalized academic adjustments. If the recovery takes longer than three weeks, they may need academic accommodations, which can be formalized in a 504 plan. If they are experiencing a prolonged time to recovery, they should be evaluated by a concussion specialist. If there's a permanent disability requiring permanent adjustments, the student will ultimately need an individualized education plan known as an IEP. However, this is very rare. Ultimately, the article recommends that students should be performing at their academic baseline before returning to sport. Today, I would like to welcome Dr. Letty to the podcast. We are fortunate to speak with Dr. Letty, who has made great contributions to research on concussions and helped create the current AMSSM position statement on concussion in sport. He is currently the medical director of the University of Buffalo Concussion Management Clinic, the director of outcomes research at the Department of Orthopedics, as well as the program director for the UB Primary Sports. Medicine Fellowship. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you're welcome, Julia. It's a pleasure to be here. We just wanted to discuss this article with you and get your opinion on what the strengths of this article are. Yeah, this is an article written by Dr. Halstead and his uh, collaborators back in 2013, uh, published in Pediatrics. I think it's a very good article. It's very comprehensive and it's got lots of uh, very good practical information. The tables are very good. Uh, table one talks about the signs and symptoms specifically and what impact each one might have in school, and that's useful to uh, review. 
Um, I think the use of a symptom uh, checklist is a good idea in general. You don't want to ask questions too often, but you do have to ask questions often enough so you get an idea about progress toward recovery. You know, the real contribution of this article, I think, was in outlining those teams that you talked about, the family team, uh, the medical team, the academic and physical activity teams in the schools, uh, and their roles in helping the students return to learn. So I think that's a real strength of the article. And then um, the final table is a listing of the same signs and symptoms and then a specific potential adjustments for the school setting uh, that practitioners can consider using uh, with their patients. So I, I like this article very much. I think for the time it was written, it was the most comprehensive and had a lot of very practical recommendations. The major weakness with it is that there are no data, virtually no data uh, behind the recommendations at that time. Not that there's a whole lot of uh, prospective data since then, but there was virtually none back in uh, 2012, uh, 2013. So this, while a very good review, is largely based upon uh, anecdotal reports, expert opinion, some retrospective data. And so that's the major weakness with the article. And you're very much involved in concussion research. What can you tell us about what progress has been made in this area since the article was written? Yeah, so... Um, you know, most of the research on the academic effects of concussion has generally shown no adverse long-term outcomes, and that's good. Most cognitive difficulties and symptoms improve in a matter of days to weeks. You know, there's this unfortunate small percentage that the symptoms persist for weeks or months, and that can really uh, disrupt academic performance and social uh, situations for students. And this was first addressed back in the 2012 Zurich Consensus Conference when they just basically dis discussed a gradual return to cognitive activities and pacing to stay below cognitive symptom thresholds. And by that time, there was a prospective study that used retrospective recall in students, and they reported that cognitive activity was, you know, increased cognitive activity after concussion was associated with duration of symptoms. Um, but again, this was based on uh, retrospective recall. I looked at our own uh, research in this area. A year after the Halstead paper, we published a paper. Uh, my colleague, Dr. John Baker, was the lead author. It was in clinical practice, in, I'm sorry, International Journal of Clinical Practice in 2014, where we really discussed the concept of pacing, and we reviewed the REAP, R-E-A-P guidelines, Reduce, Educate, Accommodate, Pace, um, developed by Dr. Karen McAvoy out in Colorado, uh, which has a lot of very practical information for parents school athletic and academic professionals and, and doctors. And, and again, they emphasize that the typical recovery is in one to two weeks, but that when symptoms are prolonged beyond that time, then you really need a comprehensive management plan that's multidisciplinary, involves the doctor, the, the school nurse or psychologist, and the um, teachers and uh, administrators. One thing we talked about in that paper, though, was that we did not want to overreact and cocoon a child or keep children out of school longer than necessary. And that's one thing I think that people have to remember is that, you know, these are not professional athletes in school. Their number one job is to go to school. And therefore, we don't want to keep them out of school uh, any longer than, than really is necessary. In that paper, we proposed a sequence of events initially being out of school completely with very limited activities for one to three days. This was before the Berlin 
consensus conference uh, indicating 24 to 48 hours of relative rest. And then followed by increasing activities at home with uh, employing pacing to stay below the individual symptom threshold, having parents help the students adapt to uh, some sustained cognitive activity, but with scheduled breaks uh, and then gradually building up. The third phase was return to school with monitoring of symptom exacerbation by the school nurse or, or perhaps the teacher, sometimes beginning with one half day of school, again, depending upon uh, symptom severity and um, frequency. With monitoring in school, uh, mandatory breaks if needed to go to the, their nurse's office, et cetera. The next phase was return to school with full, uh, full time with accommodations, again, uh, sort of gradually increasing activities. So you could move from one half day of school, maybe uh, after a week or so to full days of school while keeping in academic adjustments. And finally, much like you said before, we recommended no gym class or team sports until they had fully been back into school and participating without accommodations. So you could introduce uh, physical activity low level, but not anything more intense until they were fully back in school. We did a, um, another study in 2015 published in clinical pediatrics. Again, Dr. Baker was the lead where we followed up on 91 uh, student athletes after sport concussion who had done uh, computerized testing and the SCAT-2, and uh, we called them a month or two later, and one-third of them reported some problems uh, upon returning to school. And the problems were associated with the severity of their concussion as represented by their recovery time and the overall number of symptoms at the first clinic visit. So maybe that's not so surprising that the more severe the initial symptoms, uh, the longer uh, they took to recover and the more problems they, they had in school. A third study we did was published in Global Pediatric Health in 2016. Dr. Ali Maki, M-A-K-K-I, was the uh, first author. There we prospectively evaluated 42 student athletes, mean age of 15, who were seen five days after their sport concussion. Um, we had them complete the post-concussion symptom scale, an hour spent in school for 14 days after their first visit. And we divided them up into how fast they recovered. We had three groups, less than three days, three to 14 days, and delayed was more than 14 days. And we were just trying to evaluate the effect of uh, school uh, participation on their symptoms. And they had a pretty good symptom level on the first day, uh, most of them. And what we found was that overall, they, they got better uh, over the, the two weeks. They all got better, but when we controlled for time from injury and, and the speed of recovery, uh, hours of school attendance exacerbated their symptoms after uh, concussion. So there was a relationship between how many hours they spent in school in those days after concussion and symptom exacerbation, even though overall they were getting better with time. At that time, this was the first prospective study that used uh, daily symptom reports to show that school attendance uh, exacerbated symptoms or could exacerbate symptoms in adolescents after or concussion. And basically, we recommended the sorts of things that the Halstead paper discussed in terms of adjustments and accommodations and things like that. But again, we, we emphasize we did not want to keep students out of school more than was necessary. And my practice is, is generally not to do that for more than a day or two, if we can. There was a, a study published in 2016 in JAMA Pediatrics by the group at Children's Hospital in Philadelphia, uh, Weeb, W-I-E-B-E, -E, Doug Weeb et al. Is, uh, he was the first author. What they did was they looked at 
kids in school and, and had it, them fill out their symptoms several times a day on a phone app. And it's called Ecological Momentary Assessments. And what they reported was that higher cognitive activity on a given day corresponded to a higher symptom score that day and the following two days, uh, especially if they had high initial symptoms uh, on that first day. Conversely, higher physical activity on a given day corresponded with lower symptom scores on that day and the following two days. So, uh, again, a little bit of a disconnect where the more cognitive work you did, the symptoms increased, whereas the more physically active you were, uh, they seemed to decrease. The nice part about this study is, with it, is that they were getting the reports in real time uh, on the app uh, as the students were going through their school day. The other two, uh, er, you know, the other two sort of publications uh, that deal with this in some way since uh, the Halstead article uh, was the Berlin Statement from the Concussion and Sport Group in 2017, published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. That doesn't have a whole lot on return to learn, although there is a table in there outlining a return to learn progression, much like the return to play progression for uh, physical activity in sports. But basically, uh, Berlin talked about accommodations and gradual reintroduction of cognitive activity and that students may require a temporary absence from school after the injury, but they also emphasized that uh, they should not return to sport until they have successfully returned to school. They did say, however, that early introduction of symptom-limited physical activity was appropriate. And again, they gave an example of a return to school pro uh, progression in table number two in that article. Finally, the AMSSM position statement led by Kim Harmon came out earlier this year in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. There's a section dedicated to uh, return to learn that talks in general principles about it, as we've mentioned, with um, individualized academic adjustments, et cetera, informing school personnel. I got, you know, I have to again say that most concussed athletes recover quickly enough that return to the classroom requires, you know, very no a very brief adjustments of, of academic activities, but that some students take longer and require more uh, accommodations. Still, early introduction of simple limited physical activity is appropriate, but again, they should not return to sport until they're fully integrated back to school. And uh, the position statement outlines a uh, return to learn plan, initially talking about communication uh, between providers and, and the school, and then uh, specific classroom adjustments for uh, some of the specific uh, symptoms. So that's about it in terms of um, the research that I'm aware of since the Halstead article. So we have some prospective data, but not a whole lot. That's a problem. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for giving us kind of that succinct uh, summary of all the research that's been done. I think it's helpful for our listeners to be able to go to some of these resources and look at some of those treatment plans on how to return students back to learning. I think it was really important what you mentioned that even though most of our concussion research is based on sports, in the school age patient, really their main goal is to be able to go back to school. They're not professional athletes. So focusing on that in that patient population is very, very important. Yeah, you know, sometimes we forget that. we. We treat sport concussions so often, and we're very focused on getting them back to play and, and to their team. Mm -hmm. that we kind of forget that, at, you know, in, in grade school and high school, their job is to learn, not to play. You can 
you can substitute someone else in for their position on the team, but you can't substitute someone else for their uh, position in school. And, um, you know, I think all of these things make a lot of sense. And they, by and large, work, uh, I believe, especially uh, the pacing. I talk to my patients a lot about identifying their thresholds and taking scheduled breaks and building things up very, you know, slowly enough and taking a break in school when they need to. But I also don't want them to stay out of school one day longer than uh, they have to. So, you know, sometimes I still get patients referred to me that have missed school for weeks. And um, that, except in very unusual circumstances, is, is never a good thing. And, you know, if you have somebody who's that impaired, then you should be looking for specific reasons why, you know. Is this someone who has an undiagnosed learning disability? Is this somebody who's not able to read because of oculomotor dysfunction, and that's why they can't concentrate or complete their homework. I think it behooves the doctor to really look for uh, other treatable issues that may be keeping them out of school um, because, again, the vast majority only have to miss a few days of school. Having said that, I think it's probably in the majority of people who have concussions during the week that they probably should miss a day or two of school. Most of them, if they go back to too soon to full school participation or to taking a test, you know, in the day or two after the concussion, that just makes, makes things worse and uh, might delay the recovery. So again, there's not a whole lot of data to guide us here. The data suggests that too much cognitive activity too soon will exacerbate symptoms and that probably a good idea to do this type of uh, pacing and graduated return. We do really need, though, a randomized trial to look at whether any of this makes makes a difference. Not an easy study to do. Uh, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm not saying that <laughs> that would be an easy study at all, but it would be a very useful one because it would hopefully answer some of the questions that we all have about the best way to return uh, students to learning. Absolutely. And what would you think the key points would be for physicians that they should be aware of right now, given the current information that we do know, and based on this article, what we discussed, what would you recommend um, that they should take away from listening to this podcast today? Don't forget about return to learn when you're dealing with adolescents who've had a sport concussion, because it's, it's more important, frankly, than returning to play. And I think as sports doctors, we sometimes tend to forget that, that because we're so focused on the, the physical nature of the injury and the importance of sport uh, to the athlete that we, we kind of sometimes forget, like I said, that their main job is to uh, be a student and not uh, a paid athlete. Knowing that they should be back to school and functioning without any academic accommodations before you want to return them to a contact sport or even a, a non-contact team sport, but, but not to overreact and, and take them out of school for more than is absolutely necessary. And again, that is only a couple of days in the vast majority of cases. You can do a gradual reentry into school, half days, have the parents speak with the school principal or, or guidance counselor or psychologist, whoever is working with students in that particular school to devise a return to learn plan. And it doesn't have to be formalized into a 504 and certainly not an IEP, but that part has to resolve and be back to baseline before we put them back on team sports. Now, again, we can uh, have them doing sub-threshold types of exercise or activity along with this to keep them 
sort of engaged in the recovery and prevent extreme deconditioning. By the way, you know, aerobic exercise is good for your cognitive faculties, so that would be another interesting study to see how much that actually improves cognitive function as opposed to physical function. And, uh, you know, to follow these, these patients on a weekly or biweekly basis so that um, you're not making them wait a long time to get back to their, uh, their full academic activities if they're ready. And again, the, the, the Halstead article in particular, I think, has very good general recommendations and, and good uh, ideas for doctors for specific accommodations for specific post-concussion symptoms. And uh, again, I like the, uh, they have a sample approach here in Table 3 um, of determining readiness to return to learn. They describe the uh, multidisciplinary teams and their roles and specific academic accommodations and adjustments for uh, particular students. So again, it's a good article. Uh, I think everybody who's caring for concussions and adolescents and, and children should read this. But I think that there have been some other studies since then that maybe provide a little bit of data behind the recommendations, uh, but certainly this is much less well-researched than it should be and uh, really, really um, needs further attention to give us some evidence base behind our, our recommendations. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Letty, for speaking with us today. This has been really helpful, and this is something that I think all of us will see in clinic on a regular basis. So hopefully this will help us be able to give better recommendations to teachers and parents and work with kids as they return back to school. Well, I hope so. I think it's an important area, and I, I want to thank you for um, thinking about it for a podcast and inviting me to participate. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect the views or positions of the University of Utah, the University of Buffalo, or the AMSSN. <laughs>